0: I don't care. What movie was that? Fugitive. Fugitive. yeah. I always thought the mannequin must have been shri- ripped to shreds as that went over. Did you see that kind of awkward deal there? Yeah. Um, have you ever been pursued by anyone like that? Some of you, yes. Yeah, a little scary. i will like to hear the story, though, later from whoever that was, right? There's. Uh, uh, some of us, there has been a pursuit. That was a, a pursuit, a character uh, of, of justice, or because he was innocent in the movie, of, of injustice, right? Have you ever been pursued by a good thing? Yes. Not a, not a bad thing, but a good thing. For example, when my wife and I first met, it was almost embarrassing how she pursued me and relentlessly. She's not here to defend herself, so I can say whatever I want this morning, yeah. So, so you've been uh, pursued by some good things as well as bad. If you could live a life in such a way that guaranteed that only good things would pursue you, would you be interested in that kind of life? Well, interested or not, that's what we've been talking about these last several weeks is we have been walking verse by verse through Psalm 23, and this is... The, the final verse, and, and it's interesting. I believe this, this verse, despite my suggested ending last week, life is good, peaches and cream, I, I think that there is a brilliance, an inspired brilliance, how David ends this psalm. In fact, he ends it with in two different ways. And really, I think this final verse, as we will unpack it this morning, transforms our whole perspective of psalm. Let's review just a final time. We looked at verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, recognized that that this psalm was an invitation to a different kind of life that David was talking about. He was was saying that this life could be if you invite God as your shepherd, Jesus as your shepherd. You can live a life without lack, without want, a life of contentment, biblical contentment. Verse two, we jump in and and rather than God saying, okay, I want you to do this, this, and this, taskmaster, no, no we discovered according to David that he is focused, laser focused on who we are on the inside. Our heart, our soul, our mind that he's wanting to see transformation that that Christ would be fullness in us because that's real life, that's true life truly who we're created to be. Um, The next verse, verse three, we looked at paths of righteousness. His promise, not only to restore our soul, but that he would guide us in these life decisions. And when we get off the path, that he would shepherd us back with gentleness and kindness to those right paths. The next couple of verses, David took a, a turn that initially wasn't exciting talked about the deepest, darkest valley that has the shadow of death. We learned that the promise of this different kind of life does not preclude difficulty and suffering and pain. And yet there's a promise of witness of God, witness of the, of the shepherd. There's a promise of even abundance, a, a table in the midst of, of our enemies as we suffer. This final verse, really there's two parts of it. Verse six is going to, as I said, really shape and mold all that we've been talking about in beautiful and wonderful ways. I'm going to invite you and as we've been doing, I've rather enjoyed reading the passage of Scripture, the psalm to you with your eyes closed. I'm going to read it in kind of an amplified way, there's the, where there's numerous meanings of, of words that are there, and I'm going to provide some of that amplified way. I'd encourage you to listen for a word that, that strikes you. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit works in that way through the word of God. He takes a word that strikes us and he wants us to carry it in our soul. Would you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, would you direct the reading of your word? The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures in tender grass. He leads me beside still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores. My soul. He guides me along the right paths, paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup, it overflows surely your goodness and love your mercy and loving kindness will pursue me will follow me will chase me all the days of my life the length of days and I will dwell in the house of the Lord days without end, forever. Lord, thank you for your word. Would you allow it to mold and shape and transform us? Amen. First part of verse six, David says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. That, that word, that Hebrew word is um, chase, is pursue, actually, like we said. He's saying that, that your, uh, your goodness, your mercy, it will go after us. I was thinking, why would David say it like that that God's goodness and mercy would chase after me i mean that's great i i, I love that that's that's neat why would he say it like that and i asked the question do i have a role to play in that or do i just allow those things to catch me what does that what does that look like you know i was thinking about being chased and um the last couple of months, I have been pursued by what I'd call playfulness. No, no actually, I, I'm, I'm really true about this. I've been, uh, to the great delight of my kids, not so much my wife. Again, she's not here to defend herself. I decided to bless the family with a little puppy. In fact, we, we have, uh, do we have pictures of puppy? Did they make it? There it is, the little guy. He's, he's learning. He is very playful and active. He does get worn out. Do we have one more? There he is. He's just, he's worn out there. He is a Jack Russell Terrier. And if you know jacks, they have a lot of energy, right? They, they play a lot. They are play, 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 play. That is their agenda. That's their purpose in life. That's what they want to do. And, and this little guy, his name is Bentley. He, he loves socks. Not just socks on the ground, but in particular socks when they're on your feet, Right? So, so, quite literally, I'll be walking and I'll be snagged and I'll have to because I'm being played with, uh, pursued with playfulness, right? He's playing, he's playing, he's playing. If you know anything about jacks, they, they don't just play once a day and then you call it good. If you don't get out some of the energy, then um, they can become destructive, right? So, I figured I need to initiate play with Bentley sometime, which works for me because that kind of works into, I have a a little bit of a a ministry to the family and kids. I call it a ministry of annoyance (laughs) slash playfulness. And I like to spread it across the family because too much of a good thing is not always great. So I initiate that play sometimes with Bentley and with the kids. So I'm thinking about pursuit. I'm thinking about chase. I'm thinking about our role to play. And I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me one phrase. You guys can test it, see what you think. In fact, I was right there. And I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this phrase. It was, what you pursue today will pursue you Tomorrow. What you chase after today, most likely it will catch up to you. And so it begs the question, what are you pursuing? What are you going after? What are you chasing after? See, those two words that, that David chose, mercy and love, or um, goodness and love, the, those are considered uh, covenant words, covenantal language. And when, when people talk about covenantal language, they're talking about a covenant of marriage, right? That there is um, uh, a marriage between you and the Lord. We often think of that marriage, that covenant between two people, all right? but, but this covenant language is about us and God. And in, in a human marriage, there's, there's commitments, there's vows, there's also receiving, there's joy, there's blessing. With, with the Lord, as we seek and go after him, his heart, his character, who he is, is goodness and mercy. And as we pursue him, he pursues us with his character. That makes sense? Yep. That he goes after. In fact, um, the New King James Version, I, I love how they, um, it's my favorite Hebrew word if you've been coming to, Sec for a while, you've probably heard me talk about this word. It's hased. It's a it's a grace word. It's a it's a mercy word. It's from the Hebrew. It's a peace word, and oftentimes the King New King James uh, translates it as loving kindness. At the heart of who God, the one true living God is, is loving. Kindness and the Psalmists—they are dialed in on this. They're—they're they're living the covenant. They're—they're they're pursuing God, and all through the Psalms, they have this—this this prayer, this engagement with this idea of the loving kindness of God. I, I have just a, a few of them in uh, on the screens. Listen to the Psalmist prayer. Psalm 40, 11, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. There's this dynamic of preservation, of strength, of endurance as we're filled with God's loving kindness. Psalm seventeen seven. show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. Oh, you who save those who trust in you for those who rise up against them. They're saying it's marvelous, it's wonderful. Would you let that be my protection? Would it surround me? Psalm 25, 6. Remember, O oh Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, reminding God who He is and, and the desire. For they are from of old. Desire that they'd fill our lives. Psalm 36.10. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you. And your righteousness to the upright in heart. You see that dynamic within a covenant. Those who are pursuing him. Those who are knowing him. Seeking to walk in righteousness. So would your loving kindness take hold of us. Do not withhold Psalm 40, 11, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. Psalm 48, 9, within your temple, O God, we meditate on your loving kindness, your unfailing love. Isn't that gorgeous? Goodness, no wonder David Ends with this idea of the very living God of his essence of of who he is pursues us day after day. And we get to, to pursue that. We get to pray, God, let it be true of our lives. God, would you fill my life with your character, your essence, your mercy, your grace. Got to pray that this week. Pray that for the family. I was praying the psalm and that shape, that outline, form. I prayed this final line. We have copies of these. If you weren't here last week, we have some copies in the welcome desk. Taking this psalm and doing what Psalm forty-eight nine does on that final verse, first part. And meditating on who God is and who he wants to be to us and saying, remember God and inviting that, preserve us, protect me, fill me. May that be my experience. May your loving kindness catch me today that I might know you. Now there's another Role I think we have to play in response to what chases and what pursues us. The New Testament turns a little bit of that dynamic, turns the dynamic into another analogy of sowing and reaping. I think it's rooted in this idea of what are you pursuing? What are you seeking? What's gonna catch up to you? It's uh, Galatians, which has become a significant passage for me. Galatians 6, Paul simply states, a man reaps what he sows. What you put in, you will get out. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap Eternal life, in that phrase, eternal life, is all the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, eternity. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, sometimes we can be weary in doing good, and this isn't doing any good. How come, that God, you promised this? What's happening? I'm not experiencing... Paul is saying, don't give up, keep pursuing, keep going after, trust the Father, trust who He is, keep pressing, keep doing good, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people expectantly, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, came across uh, a story I thought was a powerful example of this. It's from a couple of years ago. Um, it was a woman by the name of Victoria Rivolo. She was 45 at the time, and this happened in New York, New York City, and she was selected by Beliefnet. It's this Christian website as the most inspiring person of the year, Here is her story. She was driving her niece to voice recital when she was passing another car driven by a 19-year-old named Ryan Cushing. Ryan was up to no good. He was riding with five other teens. They had stolen a, a credit card. They had gone on a spending spree. One of the purchases was a frozen turkey, which Ryan Cushing he decided to toss it into oncoming traffic. The 20-pound the 20, uh, 20 turkey smashed through Victoria Rovolo's window on her side and crushed her face. Surprisingly, she survived. 10 hours of, in the operating room, the doctors repaired her face. She went home with a tracheotomy, uh, how do you say that, tracheotomy? tube endured months of rehabilitation so they caught Ryan Cushing and the other teenagers and she went to his sentencing and spoke she said this despite all the fear and the pain I have learned I have learned from this horrific experience and I have much to be thankful for Each day when I wake up, I thank God simply because I'm alive. I sincerely hope you have learned from this awful experience, Ryan. There is no room for vengeance in my life. And I do not believe a long, hard prison term would do you or me or society any good. As the story goes, Ryan Cushing began to weep with remorse. He was looking at the possibility of 25 years in prison. It's believed because of Victoria Rivolo's testimony. He was only given six months in jail. She went on to say this. I truly hope that by demonstrating compassion and leniency, I have encouraged you to seek an honorable life. In my generosity, if my generosity will help you mature into a responsible, honest man whose graciousness is a source of pride to your loved ones and your community, then I will be truly gratified and my suffering will not have been in vain. Ryan, prove me right. What kind of character does that take to press through that awful experience and then to be able to show up at the sentencing with Probably the vast majority of people, the, the language they would have pursued would be a language of, of vengeance or at least justice. And she came with language of forgiveness and mercy and kindness. She was pursuing those things. I love the line I have no room for vengeance in my life. Do any of us have room for vengeance in our life? Do any of us have room for bitterness or unforgiveness or hatred in our life? Don't all of us need that, the, the goodness and mercy of God in our lives? What David is saying again is pursue. If you're pursuing, if you're living the Psalm 23 life, if you're living life like that, then you are pursuing God and the things of God. And then those things will catch you. Those things will fill your life again it begs the question what are you pursuing what is going to catch up with you someday i don't know if you've noticed but the bad things have a way of catching up with us don't they when we we lie when we're dishonest It's usually a matter of time, but they catch us, right? When we sin, especially against other people, sin has a way of hanging around and it catches up to us. Some of us can live in fear that our bad deeds, what is done in the darkness, will catch up to us someday. Would it be incredible to hope that our deeds, which are good, which are filled with kindness and goodness, that they catch up to us. Isn't that a much better way to live? In fact, it's a promise from the Lord. What are you pursuing today? Maybe some of us need to change our pursuit second line from verse 6 this is the line that I think it's so short but but transforms this psalm again verse 6 surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. Literally, there it says length of days. It's meaning days without end. I will be with the Lord. I will be in his house. It's this picture. It, it transforms the psalm from a pathway of righteousness today to a path of eternity forever. You see, it connects with, with kingdom theology today, saying, in part, we get to live today with God as our shepherd. We get to live with Him restoring and renewing our soul. We get to live with His guidance and His direction. And, and the, the witness, all of that is true. But as we live that, then that becomes this gateway of eternity and what we live today at least in part we live in absolute fullness forever a beautiful picture we get to live today how he is inviting us to live Forever. I think this final line also challenges us to a certain degree how we live today. Many of you are familiar with the famous book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits, uh, Stephen Covey, is live with the end in mind. And in the book, he has you imagine and picture your funeral. Right? And he says, who, who's going to be there? And what do you want them to say about you? There's a, another book that crosses over with that called The Road to Character. David Brooks, and he contrasts, he says, you know, we all have resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Virtues it says the resume virtues are, are the ones you list on your resume, the skills you, you bring to the job market, and, and, the, and, and that you contribute to external success. Those are the ones that the world celebrates. Those are the ones that, that, that you get pushed, right, by, by those around you. You're, you're rewarded for those kind of virtues. The eulogy virtues are different. They're deeper More significant, I would say. They're the virtues that get talked about at your funeral. The ones that exist at the core of who you are, your being. Whether you are kind or brave or honest or faithful. Those aren't always celebrated in the world. But those matter most. Carol Kimber, some of you know, she passed away, long-time congregational member. I mentioned last week what her son said, that she was the most forgiving person on the planet. That is a eulogy virtue, isn't it? That's the one that counts well above in my opinion, the resume virtues. Now, as I like to do often, I have a little twist on that habit of Stephen Covey. Just a a little angle, I'll call it a biblical angle, maybe it's more of my angle, but we'll call it Pastor Eric's first habit (laughs) of people highly thirsting after righteousness you ready for this one?: Yeah. It's not begin with the end in mind. It's begin with eternity in mind. Now, now think about your, your funeral and the memorial service. I think that's a good exercise. Support that. I think biblically we get to go one step further. And would you begin? with the moment that you stand before your good shepherd and you go over your life. I know I wanna hear less about accomplishments and more about my character and who I've become in Christ. I think that's what he means when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a character there and a a service and an accomplishment there. Paul says this in Romans 14, 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Paul is talking about that moment at the end of life, at the beginning of eternity, eternal life with god and we go over our lives with him jesus even says give an account that we will give an account of every careless words we're going to go af- over our words our actions what was in our hearts what we've done Now, keep in mind that this experience will be full of grace and mercy. The cross of Christ is present in that moment. Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't want to face that moment without Jesus, that's for sure. I don't want to face that moment without his blood covering my sin and my brokenness. Absolutely, that is the truth of the gospel. However, We still experience that moment. We still go over our lives according to Paul and Jesus. It's not an experience for Christians. He's not making the decision of whether you are in or out of heaven. It's a misconception. The only way you're getting into heaven is through Jesus Christ, that doesn't change. Don't hear me differently. Okay, that's true. But what we go over, some would would say the blessing, the reward, the favor of eternal life that we experience. That all of our actions and accomplishments, Paul says in another place, that they are tested by fire. And when they're not derived by God, when they're not motivated by His love and kindness, when they're not building the kingdom, they're burned away and there's no reward. Or if we've done those things for the reward of this world, Jesus says oftentimes to the religious leaders, You've received your reward already in this life. Where's the reward in eternity? Do you understand? Now I think that this is a different mindset to live by if we don't just begin with the end, but we begin with eternity and we want to live in such a way that God says, yes, you heard me, you did it. And you didn't see any of the fruitfulness in this life. But it's what I told you to do. It's obedience. Yes, you did. You heard it. You sacrificed. You did the right thing. That choice was before you, and you did the right thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and receive your reward. Friends, that's a different way to live. That's a different mindset and mentality. That, that, is the, that, that is the the cap, that is the that is the icing on the cake of Psalm 23, that as we, we sow in goodness and mercy and grace, those things pursue and catch us as we live not. Yes, if this is all there is, then I encourage you, get your own. Get what's coming to you. Even if you've got to cheat, lie, and steal, and break a few eggs to make an omelet, get your omelet. That's not biblical, is it? Don't say amen on that one. Nope. <laughs> right? That's not the biblical mentality. The biblical mentality is, yes, there, there's more than it is, and it's eternity. There's more than you see that God, there is a God, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he's inviting you to a life of transformation, so live it. And when you get to that moment, And it's not gonna be a shock because you've been walking with your good shepherd and he's there in that moment of eternity. And say, yeah, yeah, Eric did that. It was bad, it was sin. But I covered that. I, I, I took that on the cross. But Eric also did this. And don't you remember, Father, we, we took such delight in that. Don't you want to hear that? I want to hear that. And in, in fact, I want to live today for that moment of eternity. One thing, I'll, I'll leave you with this picture. Stunned by this picture is thinking of, uh, of the Lord as a good shepherd, and I was thinking about eternity. And there is uh, some words in Jesus. He paints a picture of a banquet. This is Luke 12. Paints a picture of the banquet, and he's talking about being watchful, right? He's referencing the second coming, someday your good shepherd, will return gather you up right he's saying live when he says watchful he's saying keep the keep the lamp on keep the light on you you need to look for my return live your life in such a way that there's a second coming of the messiah and he's sharing that and then he paints a picture of those who've been watchful, those who've been waiting, and they're invited in to the banquet, and he seats them at the table. And be mindful in these verses of what your good shepherd is doing. It's a picture of eternity. Jesus says, it will be good for those servants whose master, the Messiah, finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he, the Messiah, the master, the good shepherd, will dress himself to serve. Will have them recline at the table and will... Come and wait on them. What? What? That's the the picture of eternity that Jesus paints for us. We're still the sheep of his fold. He's still caring for us in eternity. There's still this tender love and kindness and beauty for days without end. A congregational member sent me an email after last week, shared about a friend who uh, from diagnosis, it was only three weeks until death. She wrote, we are devastated by his loss, but we rejoice that his suffering is ended we, he knew the Lord, so we know that his soul is safe. We find comfort in knowing that Steve's journey through the valley of the shadow of death ended in the sunshine of heaven. I don't think I could have put it better myself. That we need to look at this life in these moments, in the light of eternity. I want to invite the worship team forward. I want to invite the prayer folks forward too. Sometimes we offer a prayer, uh, and kind of listening prayer, extended prayer. And I encourage you that if you need extended prayer, uh at the, after the service has closed, the worship team will continue a little bit and get extended prayer. But sometimes we like to anoint with oil as a blessing. And I was thinking about the psalm. Go back to that Psalm 48.9. I don't know if we can find that on the screen. That Psalm 48.9 says, Within your temple... New Testament context would be your church within us. We meditate on your unfailing love, your loving kindness. Oil is a symbol of a number of things in the Old and New Testament. One of them is the Holy Spirit and a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Another is simply blessing. It was in Psalm 23. You anoint my head with oil. I thought we should do that. Do you let us anoint and pray a blessing of love and mercy and kindness of the Lord that fill your heart and your soul your mind. Sometimes I like to do it kind of like communion where everybody comes forward. So if we could not be teams, if we could form all the lines there so it's not too long and and it's not extended prayer. Again, after the service, pray extended. But just let us anoint you and pray God's blessing. If you're not comfortable coming forward, it's okay. If this is your first time, you don't have to come forward. Me personally, if I'm offered to be prayed for a blessing, I'm coming forward every time. But that's me personally. I want you to be comfortable, all right? Can we stand together? So, Father, we thank you for your righteous pursuit. We thank you that you are for us. That Holy Spirit, you are pursuing us. You're longing for us to be caught by you. Lord, help us this morning to be caught by you. Lord, we meditate. In this moment, we cry out for your loving kindness to to fill our lives, our hearts and souls, to gird our lives up. Lord, we worship you this morning and receive all that you have for us. For those who are so led, come and receive blessing of the Lord.